We are so honored to have you, Scott. I know you're in New York. Uh, again, I was mentioning while uh, you're not on the screen about how much I learned from you. And, uh, and I look I forward heard. to actually hearing a few before we actually get into some questions. But listen, likewise, and it's uh, great to be with you. I'm sorry I can't be there in person this week, but uh, I'm really just honored to be a part of this. And, and you, know, you asked me to share a few thoughts you know, on some of the shifts we're seeing um, that certainly AI is bringing to the worlds of creativity and marketing. And then I would love to, again, you know, see what else is on your and others' minds. But uh, maybe I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just share a few thoughts. I mean, obviously, we all know that this, this new age of creativity and digital experiences is going to change everything to some degree, right? Careers, education, um, how brands, entertainment work, compete with one another. And that's certainly something that we've been thinking about a lot um, at Adobe over the last few years. But let me just like jump right to it, right? We, what, are, what are some of the major shifts in the worlds of both creativity as well as in the worlds of the digital experiences that I think are useful. I mean, certainly a lot of your customers play in this space. And of course, I'm sure there's a lot of this that is analogous to, 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 um, to DevRev as well as a company. Uh, so first of all, we're going from a world in which we always had to find someone with skills to tell our story to one in which we certainly can tell our own story. And that's really a democratization of creativity. You know, that is uh, exciting and also has a lot, of, um, a lot of implications for small businesses, right? That, you know, struggled to be able to tell any story and it was too expensive to get an agency. You know, suddenly folks can, you know, really tell their own story and that's exciting. We're going from a world in which we were very category constrained. You're either a graphic designer or an, a motion graphics artist or a video editor or an audio engineer to one in which you actually have access to all of these segment tools. And AI certainly makes that increasingly possible. And you're more imagination constrained. Now it's like, yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that as an animation, and now I can make it an animation if I want to. We're going from a world in which a lot of creativity was done in a very siloed fashion, people working alone. You know, a lot of our customers would be frightened by the idea of another person in their Photoshop file at the same time, uh, into a world where it's really about collaborative creation, and people are constantly inviting their colleagues in. There's more of a culture of transparency in the creative process. We're going from a world where there was very limited exploration. Um, you know, if, if you asked a, a team to come up with three solutions to a problem or uh, three potential brand identities, you know, for a, a rebranding of the company, they would go off and spend weeks and come up with maybe five that they would whittle down to three and then present to you as the client. Well, now we're in a world where you can instantly create so many variations of everything that you have in your mind's eye. And it actually vastly increases that surface, first surface area of possibility. And I'll show you one example of a technology that does that in just a minute. And then finally, you know, these tools being very exclusive to a small group of people in, and, and now becoming like very democratized and available to everyone. So those are just some top level massive shifts, I would say, in the creative industry that we feel you know, are, are really changing our business. And certainly a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the businesses probably represented in the crowd as well. Now let me shift to digital experiences. Uh, massive shifts underway as well for the way we consume, you know, and also the way we market. Think about the world of generalized experiences that we've all lived uh, in for most of our lives, where you know, we, everyone, you know, we were always anonymous. Whenever we went to any website, whenever we go to a restaurant, whenever we go to a hotel, it sort of like starts from, who are you? Nice to meet you. And we're entering a world now where that's increasingly personalized, where we're going to expect to be known. And I'll elaborate on that in just a minute. From searching and finding things to just having a conversation with a tool or a document and, uh, and, and really having a natural language experience, which, of course, we all know is coming at us really fast. And, and related to that, having to learn an application 
to a world where an app actually learns where you are and meets you where you are is a profound shift that I think will make far more stakeholders be able to participate in the products that are in the enterprise. We'll turn every functional technology into kind of a multiplayer technology that other functions will participate in. Lots of implications there that we could talk about. Marketing specialization to marketing democratization. You know, this is interesting, right? It always used to be the marketing department that did everything. Well, now social media marketers and product managers and growth strategists and product leaders, designers, like everyone wants to tinker and experiment and test. And we're seeing that shift in terms of the demand of our customers and the tools, you know, with AI are going to help them help them do that in our roadmap. And then finally, this world where we always reacted to data analysis and there were these massive cycles of analyzing and then presenting findings to a world where it's just like real-time optimization. The machine's just going to tell you what to do and what's better. And you're not even going to need to have this like huge, deep uh, data analysis cycle to come up with those insights. So those are a few shifts that are happening in the worlds of creativity and in the worlds of marketing. And so just like a couple you know, major implications I thought were worth highlighting in just a few minutes. You know, one is that this is amazing for creative pros. Now, everyone knows why non-pros are going to benefit in this world, because everyone's going to be able to conjure up an image with a prompt, right? But what we're also realizing is that the creative pros, the bar is going to get up, go up, right? If every brand is flooding the zone with insatiable amounts of content and playing SEO games like we can't even imagine, you know, using AI, what's going to happen? Well, brands are going to have to ship even better digital experiences, which are going to require creative pros to have more cycles of discovery aided by these tools and find even better, you know, more, more standout solutions to problems. And so, you know, we saw a lot of this with the launch of a generative fill, you know, people starting to play, of course, novelty always precedes utility in new technologies. But then, you know, we've launched new, new capabilities. You know, this is generative recolor and illustrator as just one example of a product feature that literally made some of our customers start to tear in our research groups because they we used to spend all day making one or two variations of a color palette for packaging, for example, or for a brand. And then now they had the technology to literally with a prompt say, hey, you know, I want to make this red bold cyberpunk and then boom, or I want to make this pink bold cyberpunk and then boom. And like the, you know, the whole process of finding colors, testing, changing, you know, autumn into fall, into winter, into spring. I mean, you know, these types of things used to be huge cycles. And so my argument is that this technology actually lets creative pros find better solutions, which ultimately yield better experiences, which are going to help brands stand out even more in this world that's increasingly cluttered. And I think that's important. The second point I wanted to elaborate on is this, mo this point about personalization. I mean, the world is about to get so hyper-personalized. Um, you know, you think about, think about like the world today, right? Uh, and how anonymous we are. And then think about how it might be in the future where every digital experience feels made for us. It literally welcomes you by name, especially in an immersive world where we're wearing glasses sometime in the future. But we are going to expect everything to be made for us, right? We're going to expect signage to be addressing us by name. We're going to expect the ads to kind of be made for our age group and our gender. When you go to a website, the idea of going to an e-commerce website and having to choose your gender or choose your shoe size, being a stranger all the time by default, I think the next generation is going to wonder, like, why were why were e-commerce websites made for the generalized masses? Why weren't, like, we now we're in a world where 
every e-commerce website's made specifically for you. Like that's going to become commonplace. Our documents are going to talk to us. As I mentioned earlier, our applications are going to meet us where we are. And data is certainly the fuel, you know, for a lot of this. But the, the big realization here is that we just long to be known, you know, and a lot of ad tech kind of germinated from this idea of knowing people without their permission. And I think we're going to go to an era where we're going to expect and want to be known. And we're going to volunteer information because we're going to expect a personalized experience. And in some ways, the litmus test for whether this is true or not is this notion of the best technology always taking us back to the way things once were. You know, and hundreds and if not thousands of years ago, like basically until the, the more recent times in the last century, we were known. We would go into local towns and we would, you know, the butcher would know our, our favorite cut and the florist would know our spouse's name. And, you know, and then we kind of got into this world where we lost that. So I think we long to be known. I think technology is going to bring us back there. There's some great examples of some brands playing with this, like Carvana. You know, they're delivering highly personalized digital experiences at scale with these. They made 1.5 vi million videos. Uh, each video talked about the car the person bought, where they bought it, their hometown, the color of the car was customized in the video, and people raved about this campaign. And it was just one of those early examples of a brand, you know, playing with this idea. Um, the last point here is that we've talked a lot about AI and machines. I continue to believe that humans are going to be what really, you know, they're going to make what really moves us. Um, there's a, you know, if you think about like, why do we buy art? You know, why do we buy pieces of anything? Why do we buy brands that are worth more than the dollar and 50 it took to make the sneaker. You know, we buy because of the story, right? We buy because of the craft. We buy because of the process, like something else we know about it that makes it meaningful to us. There's this great videographer in Casey Neistat in New York City who you know, did an experiment where he had ChatGPT basically make a word for word screenplay for one of his vlogs that he's really well known for on YouTube. And of course, you know, it spit out this really detailed um, script that he then went to vi to 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 do uh, around around New York. You know, he filmed a, a, one of his vlogs, word for word, based on what ChatGPT informed him to do. And it was really funny to watch. You know, he would be at this random place in New York, watching this escalator go down, and he'd turn to the camera and be like, "This is where I come for my inspiration." You know, I love this. And then he looks at the camera like, "What am I even reading here?" And at the end. He kind of has this quote, you know, he kind of faces and does a postmortem to the audience and is like, listen, thanks for bearing with me. You know, that was the worst video I've ever made in my life. And I think the reason is that it had no soul. And, you know, that's one takeaway I had, which was, you know, all AI is uh, really good at repetition. It's really good at intuition, like doing what's average, doing what is intuitive. Um, but a lot of creativity is counterintuitive. You know, things that make us move, things that make us emotional are things we didn't expect. And, you know, that continues to be a very human craft, um, making something that is, you know, truly moves us and is therefore effective. So those are just a few thoughts, uh, folks. You know, uh, thanks beautiful, for beautiful indulging story. me, but I'd love to uh, answer any questions. No, thank you. And this is uh, so well said. I think you speak of the balance between humans and AI. Um, you know, say a few things about uh, the human plus AI sort of uh, balance that enterprises need to actually think about uh, deliberately as they think about jobs and think about if efficacy and even soul. I mean, at some level, product managers, if they need to actually find soul, they're not going to find by just automating a few things to become a product marketing person. So 
how are the lines going to blur between departments uh, with AI, and how do people still talk about the soul of a story uh, as they go leverage more AI? Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, I always think about disciplines like creativity and also just entertainment, you know, all the strikes that are going on right now in terms of writers and actors and that sort of thing. Uh, people think about all of these industries as just one thing. I think about them all as two things. There's the core and then there's the periphery. You know, in marketing, it's like the core identity work and the real brand campaign that takes ingenuity and a lot of human debate and counterintuition and all that stuff. And then there's the amplification and the variations of that and the translations of that and the localization of it that I think will be increasingly done by AI. Um, in entertainment, you know, coming up with the first Star Wars or the main, you know, Star Wars trilogy, that's like the ingenuity. But you could argue that a lot of the repetitive animated sequels and all these things that kind of are in the periphery, maybe some of that will be done through the long tail of creators using AI and that sort of thing. Um, so the human ingenuity is going to become more important. The core of things, the things that move us forward, that move us emotionally, I believe that those things are going to continue to be driven through raw human creativity. But it's all of the stuff you know, on that very, very thick edge that is actually a lot of the mundane, repetitive work that makes this world go round. And what does that mean for humans? Well, hopefully it means that we can spend more of our time making stuff that is genuinely new. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, you talked a lot and you're very passionate about creativity for all. Uh, and also you're very involved in um, this idea of content authenticity. Uh, on both of these, like, for, let's talk about creativity for all. You know? Let's talk about creativity for folks who are in the B2B enterprise, you know, who are product managers and tech leads and customer support folks or customer success people. What does creativity mean for them going forward? Now, they, even though they don't have the innate skill of being an artist, how do they really bring out the artist in them, which could be latent? Well, you know, I, I happen to believe that creativity is a new productivity. And what I mean by that is that what used to make us stand out and be promoted and get good grades was how quickly we did things, you know, how well we memorized things, um, how many papers you stamped, how many cycles you got through. I do think that as, as a lot of that is offloaded to compute, we're going to increasingly stand out through our creativity. So what does that mean in an organization? It means that instead of spending all your time doing the data analysis, you can spend more time telling the story of the insights and using creative skills to show rather than tell the data, um, tell a narrative, tell a story, maybe even make an animated story that helps people understand something and get aligned more quickly about a change that needs to be made in the company. Like those are the types of things that I think are going to make people stand out in the future. And I think we need to deploy creativity tools. Shocker, I have a bias here. The way we once deployed productivity tools in an organization through companies like Microsoft. So it's a really exciting idea, like empowering everyone to tell stories in real time, you know, marketers to make iterations of things as opposed to wait on long cycles from their design team. You know, there's a lot of possibility there. Now, you also mentioned another question around authenticity. And, um, you know, there's a, you know, I, I think one of the problems in Silicon Valley is that we're really good about being creative about what can go right with technology, but we don't spend enough time being creative about what can go wrong. And one of the things our team has done in parallel with all the innovation we've done on the AI side is we've been trying to innovate uh, ways to help people know what they can trust. 
and to carry the provenance of an asset so people know how was it edited? You know, how was that face modified? What tool, what, what model, what generative AI model did they use? Was that a commercially friendly, kind of safely trained model? Or is it a dirty model that was trained on the open internet with copyrighted content? You know, these are types of things that I think people are going to want uh, to, to show in the assets that they share. And so we, you know, we started four or five years ago with something called the Content Authenticity Initiative. And today, you know, almost 2,000 members, you know, adding content credentials to assets. Leica just announced a camera that will, by default, add content credentials to every photo that's shot with that camera. So, you know, I think as every company that's playing in AI, let's be focused on innovation on parallel tracks, like the possibilities of the, of the technology and the risks. Thank you. No, this is uh, so well said, by the way. You know, my takeaway from all of this, Scott, uh, I know we can go on forever talking about this so, passion, so much passion that we have for both design and AI, is that sole productivity is equivalent to in a humans plus AI. So with that, I want to really thank Scott Belsky for being here, folks. Always so much to learn from him. I take away the word soul because that's the thing that we all need to bring in our day-to-day -day lives and business as well. Really appreciate you, uh, Scott, being here. Thank you. Ah!